Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Tis the season. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Can you use a little help on building flavor or menu planning for the holidays? Wine and food pairings? Well, then this is your culinary mecca. Every weekend, I bring you the best of the food world. And if you want to get closer to delicious dishes, well, then please stay tuned and allow me to feed your soul. I am always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com and you'll find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where I hope you'll become a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. Because you see, art comes in all forms. I just happen to love the form that you can eat. Coming up, we have a full plate. I am delighted that our uncomplicated expert is back, my dear friend, Claire Tanzi, straight from Toronto, Canada, is sitting down to dish. And if you're short on time at the holidays, long on hunger, or out of new ideas, and who isn't? Well, then Claire Tanzi to the rescue. We're going to dish on the ultimate holiday menu, her best party tricks so that you can enjoy the shindig, and some winter dishes that will warm your soul. So please stay tuned. But first... I like to kick off this show, as you know, with a tutorial of sorts, one to make you the best cook you know, always seasonally inspired and direct from my kitchen to yours. And as far as I'm concerned, even though I'm a Southern California girl, when it dips below 50 Fahrenheit, it's cold. (laughs) I know some of you across this great country of ours are giggling at me, and that's just fine. But the truth is... The creamy Parmesan polenta sounds really scrumptious right about now. It's warm and it's comforting and it's creamy and it's buttery. And oh, good polenta makes me swoon. Now, don't get me wrong. I love polenta's American cousin grits, but polenta is like wrapping yourself in a blanket. If you gave me a bit right out of the pot... I melt. I mean, it's just so good. And I think it's about time that you forgot all of the things you've ever heard or learned about polenta that might have left you intimidated to cook it because I want to assure you that it really couldn't be easier. Yes, it does require some attention as it cooks, but not more than, say, oatmeal. It's really all about the ratio of liquid. And whether it's water or milk or stock to polenta, the cooking time matters. But once you make it, I promise you'll want to make it a whole lot more. So I love during the winter months to serve my creamy Parmesan polenta with sauteed wild mushrooms on a big wooden board family style because I think it's the ultimate communal dining experience. Or you could top a bowl of rustic polenta with a perfect Sunday roast chicken and a lemony pan sauce, and that is the ultimate Sunday supper to me. And then any leftovers of polenta, one of the things that I love because I was raised waste not, want not. I like leftovers as an adult, by the way, but I never loved them as a kid. 
Leftovers of polenta always go to good use because you can make fried polenta or grilled polenta. And quite frankly, I think you owe it to winter to make a batch of polenta. So polenta, in short, is a cornmeal porridge, right? That's a very common dish in northern Italy. It's frequently eaten with meats and ragu or cheeses that are really pungent like gorgonzola because it is a very neutral palate, polenta that is, and it can either be eaten freshly cooked as that thick porridge or it can be cooled and then sliced and fried or grilled or baked. Now, Long before corn was brought from the Americas to Europe, polenta was already a staple food, right? It just wasn't made from corn, obviously. So the name originally comes from the Latin word for pearled grain, like barley. And the dish, which was a gruel, could be made with all sorts of grains and legumes, and it dates back to Roman times. But today it is no longer associated with those other grains, just corn. And there are fancy versions of Italian polenta that you can buy, which some prefer over the more generic stuff. Uh, For all practical purposes, though, any medium ground cornmeal will do. Now, a lot of stores sell quick or what is called instant polenta. It's made from an incredibly fine grind of cornmeal. Oftentimes it's pre-cooked and then dried and processed into a flour that can be reconstituted and put on the table in minutes. And I very much recognize the convenience that a product like that offers, but I'll be very honest, as I always am on this show, I have never met a quick cooking polenta that I like. So what is important when you're making traditional polenta? Well, perhaps the biggest decision aside from the exact type of cornmeal itself is what type of liquid you're going to use for the polenta. And Italian chefs will tell you that all water is the only way. But milk, for instance, I think makes an incredibly rich and creamy polenta that's a lot more of an indulgence all on its own. And chicken stock definitely infuses the polenta with flavor. Now, they're all perfectly good options depending upon your palate. I happen to like polenta made with milk and chicken stock. First, because it creates that creamy, luscious polenta from the dairy, but the corn flavor still shines through. And why chicken stock instead of water? Well, because it's water-based but has more flavor, right? And once you've picked up your polenta and you decided on a liquid, the next question is what ratio to use. Now, I use a ratio of four parts liquid to one part polenta by volume. And the problem with using less liquid than that is that it is almost invariably not fully hydrating. So you want to fully hydrate the cornmeal, right? And if you use less liquid, your polenta will thicken faster and appear to be done sooner. But those little bits of dried corn, I think, are a really unpleasant crunch. So in essence, too little liquid makes polenta that is undercooked and gritty. Now, you should know that I have played with almost every other method of making polenta, including an oven method and a double boiler method and even a microwave method. But on top of the stove is my no doubt best suggestion. Now, I like polenta hot and creamy with mushrooms or braised lamb shank or garlicky shrimp. 
And then I like firm polenta cut into squares and pan fried. I think that's luscious. And here's how you do it, by the way. You pour hot polenta into a rimmed baking sheet or what is left over you spread on a cookie sheet. And you spread it as evenly as you can. And then you press plastic wrap against the surface, which will prevent a dry skin from forming. And you refrigerate it overnight until it's completely chilled and set. And then you cut it into squares or triangles or circles. And you can deep fry or grill or sear the polenta. And the secret here is to not give in to the temptation to move the polenta. If you're sauteing it in olive oil, for instance, because it will stick. You have to wait and drink your Pinot Noir until it releases on its own. I do recommend a nonstick pan here. It will come free and offer you no resistance when you try to lift it when it's ready. And it gets browned and crisp on the outside and oh, it's so good. And those fried polenta squares, I top them with a tomato jam and crumbled gorgonzola. I know you should come over. So when you feel that chill outside and you're craving something warm and hearty, I hope that you'll whip up a batch of creamy, comforting polenta. You can of course find polenta recipes at chefjamie.com or you can always email me direct because I'd love to dish with you for a polenta tutorial or any holiday culinary advice. It's jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. All right, coming up next, it's home cooking that's happier and easier. It's uncomplicated because Claire Tansy is here and we are celebrating the holidays. So please stay with us. Lots more fabulous food coming up in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't touch your dial. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio as we celebrate the holidays with fabulous food. Want to make this year's holiday the easiest and most delicious one ever? Well, Claire Tansy to the rescue. What she does best is making food easy, fun, and delicious. And I'll tell you, I am so proud to call this talented cook my friend. She's all about making dishes delicious, but never difficult. You know her from her hit series, 
Uncomplicated and Dinner Uncomplicated, the second in the series that takes the stress out of home cooking. It's all about a happier, easier way to get a homemade dinner on the table. And Claire Tanzi is an accomplished chef and a busy working mom. She knows how to make the classic dishes by the traditional method, but after years of cooking and working and cooking and working, Claire figured out a better way that doesn't take more time than it needs to. And how wonderful is that? The definition of uncomplicated I love, simple, not difficult to understand or deal with. And I'll tell you, everything she makes is luscious. And so I am delighted to welcome Claire back to the radio. I've coined her our uncomplicated expert, and we are here to cook for the holidays. So stay tuned because you just might learn something. Live from Toronto, Canada. Hello, my friend, and happy holidays. Hello, my friend. So wonderful to be here with you during this very festive time of year. Yes, that it is. And often for many, very stressful time of year, very busy time of year, very crazy time of year, right? Indeed. And, uh, you know, it's also supposed to be about a joyful time of year. So how can we uncomplicate things so we can focus more on the joy? Well, thank you. And since that is your expertise, we are all delighted by the new digital ebook you've released. It's like a roadmap to holiday. I don't think you need anything else. I've loved it. I've read every word. Um, and I will take from it for my own holiday feasts. Um, Before we dig into party tips and tricks and how to make the season better, let's talk about the holidays upcoming, please. Because this year, Hanukkah falls uh, just before the Christmas holiday, which is lovely because uh, based on the Jewish calendar, you know, sometimes it's December 1 and we celebrate it at a totally different time. And this year we'll celebrate in our home. So there are feasts galore. It's the best. It it's really, uh, we, we like it when the timing all lines up, right? Yes, of course. Uh, now, if only the school holidays could, could obey as well, <laughs> they would be perfect. But, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Okay, this mama agrees with you. So what is uh, planned for your Christmas menu? Do tell. Well, i got to tell you that I, the Christmas menu that I do, that I do every year, is the one that I put in my most recent cookbook, An Uncomplicated Holiday. I do a dry brine turkey um, which is a game changer. Yes. And then I do I, what I would call fairly traditional accompaniments and sides, but all with the Claire Tansy uncomplicated stamp on them. So I do a classic bread stuffing. I do a make-ahead gravy, which has saved my life. Yes, I also do make-ahead mashed potatoes. Um, and then I do crispy Brussels sprouts with bacon and mm. some roasted vegetables, and then I always do two desserts, two different desserts, because I feel like if you have two desserts, that's just automatically a party. Oh, I agree. If if there's <laughs> no cake, it's just a meeting. <laughs> it's just a meeting. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I love that the new digital ebook maps it out for you. Like, I map out Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, right? This is what you do one day before, two days before, three mm-hmm. days before. And like you, I make a make-ahead gravy. But I want to start at the beginning. For those that will be making a turkey again um, after American Thanksgiving, if you didn't dry brine, Claire is... 150% right. You will never fill a vat of water again when you dry brine. And you, you yeah, never. Yeah. And you can do it with chickens and uh, Cornish game hens and most poultry very successfully, right? But it, it takes out the water and it, it's a salt 
solution, essentially a rub. It's exactly that. It's a salt rub. I, Jamie, I have hugged too many slippery turkeys. <laughs> and I'm trying to get them out of the wet brine yes. and into the sink and then into, it is chaos. I agree. And I got to tell you that we, when I worked in the restaurant business many decades ago, we dry brined everything. And that is a chef secret that sounds super fancy and it is so easy. And I just love this. This happens to me every Thanksgiving, every Christmas. I will get, in fact, sometimes even at Easter, I'll get a couple of little Instagram messages, a couple of little emails, a couple of little texts from people saying, oh my gosh. Had your dry brine turkey for the first time. I'm never doing it another way. How come it took me so long to find it? Of course. It's, <laughs> it is. It's a game changer. First of all, it frees up so much space in your fridge or that big ice tub that you thought was smart to leave on the floor in the garage with a turkey in it. And I, I think, and you know, I, I spent years in restaurant kitchens and well, as well, and had the privilege of working with Emeril Lagasse for a long time. And of all the lessons he taught me, I will never forget him saying to me, uh, you don't need water for anything. I mean, other than to drink, right? And I remember thinking to myself, but not saying out loud, why chef? And he proceeded, of course, to finish his sentence to say, it has no flavor. And it's true when you think about it that way, if you get a more potent, uh, permeating mixture from a salt rub that you can infuse with so much flavor. I actually think a dry brine turkey tastes far better than a wet brine. Oh, I agree. Yes. I agree. And, it, and it roasts up more beautifully. And the drippings that you get to oh. make the gravy are better. Are so, so delicious. Win, win, yes. win, win, win. There it is. There is no downside. I yeah. agree. Okay, to mashed potatoes. You make them mm-hmm. ahead. The secret yes. uncomplicated trick here would be then, how do you reheat them? Well... <laughs> You, well, you reheat them um, in a what I would like to call a wet environment. Yes. So I like some microwave. It's okay. fantastic. I'm always looking for ways to reheat in a microwave. The slow cooker is also great. Yes. An instant pot or pressure cooker would also be great. Smart. Or you can do it on the stove, but you might need to add just a little bit more liquid. Yeah, and um, I find a water bath extends the life of mashed potatoes. When you were in restaurants, do you remember doing that? I do. We put the always. mashed potatoes right in a bowl um, or in a vessel on top of simmering water without the vessel itself touching directly the water in the pot below. And you were able yeah. to keep them all through service, as we called it, yeah. right? All through dinner from 4.30 in the afternoon until the last order came in at, you know, just before 10 p.m. And you kept the integrity of the mashed potatoes. So I've always done it that way from my restaurant days. Mm-hmm. And can we just like forget having to mash potatoes at the last minute? Oh, gosh, I, yes. So many, so many uh, holidays of my youth, some child would be, you know, collared and brought into <sighs> the kitchen and told to mash potatoes like their life depended on it right. at the last minute while the the turkey's being carved and the gravy's being made and everybody's excited and there are people and so if you can get that done and I recommend doing it day ahead you are just eliminating stress from your shoulders yes. I mean you'll, you'll feel lighter just having done it okay we are winning the holidays mm-hmm. this year because Claire Tansy is here we'll take a quick break when we come back it's not complicated well Ask Claire. It's uncomplicated. And you have to see this new digital ebook of hers. It's really fabulous. We're sharing party tricks, the food kind, right after the break. Don't go away.
We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The holidays are here. Let's make it uncomplicated, shall we? We are sharing the best of Claire Tansy's recipes and talent, of course. It's the uncomplicated holiday guide that you've always wanted. Her digital ebook, her two cookbooks, and more. My very talented friend, the great cook Claire Tansy, is here. Uh, Claire, if it's not Christmas, uh, like we're having Latka Palooza in my house, um, are, are you? That's what I'm calling it because I'm making latkes like eight ways. I'm doing um, zucchini latkes with a feta cream. I'm doing uh, sweet potato latkes with a tequila cranberry chutney. Those come from the air fryer, by the way. I'm doing traditional crispy latkes. If it's not Christmas or Hanukkah, there is some party to be had. Um, And you have these party (laughs) tricks that I love. Um, Can we talk about those? Yes. And I love, I love entertaining. I love dinner parties. Um, I write about this in my newsletter every week. It's just like, host a lazy dinner party. It's like, just have people over. It doesn't have to be super fancy, super uh, high expectations. For me, the ultimate goal of entertaining is having a good time. And we know that the more human connection we have, the honestly, the, the healthier we are. Study after study shows this. So I'm all about getting to that enjoyable experience yes. without getting bogged down in the details. So okay. I, have, I have curated my seven top party secrets after decades of entertaining for little tweaks that you can do to make that experience uncomplicated and more fun. Number one. Don't fret too much about the cleaning. Mm. So I grew up in a household where it was like, oh my gosh, company's coming, like scrub the baseboards, uh, beat the rugs, you know, do the windows. No, forget it. Forget it. It's okay. We are all living our real lives. Good enough is just fine. So Mm. don't, don't worry about it. Hide the clutter. I like to, because I have a child, I say pick up the Lego so nobody curses too loud when they step on it. Yes. Um, light some candles, dim the lights, make mm. sure the bathroom's clean, and then just serve great food. Yeah. And, and that's good enough. And enjoy the party. And I agree with you. If your table, your spread, the apple pie you poured love into is the highlight, no one is paying attention to this, to the stain on the window, and and okay. that's what life is is really about today. Uh, Claire's party secrets number two. So I've already mentioned this. It's my golden rule when it comes to entertaining: get as much done in advance as possible. Oh, so please. I always reverse engineer my menu in and make make it so that at least eighty percent of it is done ahead. Because that's the real secret. That's the way that you actually get to sit back and enjoy your friends' companies company yes um so now of course you want to choose recipes that are kind of designed to be made ahead so that you're not compromising flavor and texture and and then you just get it done in little bite-sized chunks a couple of days in advance or even in the morning of and then come dinner time you bring it all together effortlessly and sometimes there are some things because you and i have dished before about this that you can make a week or two in Mm -hmm. advance you embrace your freezer as i do and with, you know, modern medicine technology and the, the beauty of cooking today, there is a lot that can be done far in advance. There really is. And yes. that's part of my, uh, my new holiday collection as well. It's actually specifically saying, what can you do in advance? Hmm. Um, and 
yeah, if you can, like, I, I made my pastry for my Christmas pie a month ago. It's sitting in my freezer. Yeah, and they're so stacked. Check that off the list. Okay, so did you make the pastry? You made the pie dough. Is it in balls of dough, or did you roll it out? lay it into pie pans, stack them and wrap them because that's what I do. And I'll tell you, that's been a lifesaver and a game changer for years for me. I wish I'd talked to you six weeks ago because no, it is just in flat disc. You should call (laughs) me more. No, but I mean, I might have taken that tip from you over the years, right? You can make (laughs) pie dough long in advance and you can, yes, store it. Yours is in in rounds or balls or discs of dough, right? Yeah, exactly. I rolled it out because I thought I'm going to save a step and I put it in. I have multiple pie pans that stack. They're all the same, right? And I rolled it. I crimped it. I stacked one in the other. And I can tell you for Thanksgiving, uh, I did it in advance of Thanksgiving. No one knew the better. There there was no No, way you could tell. No, No. never. Honestly, people, that's one of those recipes that the freezer almost helps it. It doesn't hurt it at all. And so you've always just have that in your back of your mind, like, yeah, I can make this in advance and no one is going to be able to tell. Yeah, yeah. like your kale and feta spanakopita pie in the new digital ebook. Couldn't you make that entirely in advance? Yes, I have lots of different options for how you can make that in advance. And by the way, that is my favorite vegetarian centerpiece. Um, I, I actually always recommend if you're making one, you may as well make two because... Yes. Meat eaters and non-meat eaters alike are going to go crazy for it. Very smart. Um, and it uses phyllo pastry, which is really very forgiving and very flexible. It's the most forgiving of all the pastries. And, of yes. course, you just buy it in the store. Right. And you can make it all in advance, throw it in the freezer, and then just cook it from frozen. You can do the filling in advance and keep it in the fridge. You Lots of different ways you can do it. You can even make it in the morning and serve it at room temperature. It's equally delicious. See, so so this is a recipe that you want to have, uh, it, certainly if you know you're having vegetarians coming. Um, and actually, this just makes a fantastic Saturday night dinner as well, mm. any time of the year. Oh, open a bottle of wine, I'm in. Uh, that mm. leads us to number three, where you say be ready for dietary differences on your Claire party secret list. Mm-hmm. I think we all have to assume that there is a vegetarian or a vegan somewhere close by. And I am far from either, but I'll tell you, I love a hearty vegetarian side or even a vegetarian entree, especially at a holiday feast to go along with whatever else I'm offering at the table (laughs) because it makes me feel good. Like I, it feels good to eat it. It tastes delicious. There's something clean and lovely about it. And you, you very much abide by the same rule. Absolutely. And I think it's that time of year. We want to be as welcoming as possible to everybody. Right. Come, come. You want to join us? Fantastic. You don't have anywhere to go. Your flight was canceled. Come to our house. Hmm. Don't we all kind of want to be that party? Hmm. And I always think that if you can just, when you're putting your dishes together, if you can just think, oh, maybe I might have a vegetarian coming or I might have a vegan coming. So, for example, my crispy Brussels sprouts with bacon. You know what? You can easily surf the bacon on the side. And people who like bacon can add it and people who don't like bacon can can skip it. How kind. I I like that. Yeah. And I do like to say, because a lot of, of... of my students and my clients come to me and say, okay, what hunk of protein, like, should I make a nut loaf to match the turkey or the roast beef or the whatever it is? And I say, listen, reframe the concept of a hunk of protein that mm. has to match the turkey or the ham. 
Hmm. Instead, be considerate without catering. There are lots of, as you said, hearty vegetable dishes. Be considerate. Eat that bacon on the side. Put down the tofurkey. Bless them, but put it down. I agree. And just make a nice, big, beautiful buffet that has a lot of accommodations built right into it. I guarantee you every vegetarian, vegan, dairy-sensitive, gluten-sensitive person will be so grateful and will have the best meal. How kind. I I think that's a lovely approach. I do. I do love on your secrets list that you say not to overdo it on the snacks. You know, the smaller bite size appetizer hors d'oeuvre kind of recipes, those are the most time, uh, the most laborious, right? The most uh, time intensive, I would venture to say. And so I love that you say to keep it simple there and to keep the drinks simple as well. I set out a bar and let everybody DIY. I make a pitcher cocktail often that is of the season, like a cranberry sangria. I leave it in the pitcher with a bucket of ice. You can splash it with tequila or vodka or whatever it is you like, but please, the bar is over there. I think that that is something we don't think about enough, real estate. When people Mm. come in, where I live, it's always cold, so people need a place to put their coats. So you need a child to take the coat and throw it upstairs in the bed. You need to have them go somewhere else that's not the kitchen for their drinks. Because guess what's happening in the kitchen? You're, you know, you're, you're calm and cool and collected because everything's made in the Yeah. But you don't want everybody in your kitchen trying to find glasses and where's the bottle opener and, oh, can I pour you something? No, you need to put those guys in a, at the other side of the living room yes. uh, so they can get their drinks, have their drink station over there, and then they can come and visit you in the kitchen <laughs> and take taste of your delicious gravy. We have just touched on the holidays, but there is so much more that can be made uncomplicated by the extraordinary Claire Tansy. So please don't touch your dial. When we come back, we're covering winter. We're going to uh, share some dishes that will make you a culinary hero. And let me tell you, everything she makes is just that good. So stay tuned. More holiday celebration in your radio. Claire Tanzi, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen. Be right back. complicated expert is here you're back and we're dishing chef jamie gwen in your radio with the talented and wonderful claire tansy you know her uncomplicated book series two bestsellers and now her digital ebook available for the holidays to make sure that it's stress-free and fun and fabulous because that's what it's all about and that's Claire's talent. Um, We've dished on the holidays and your party secrets. Do you know, Claire, as long as we've been friends, that I go to dinner uncomplicated probably on a weekly basis just to find inspiration from you? And I'll tell you, there are dishes in your repertoire that you've shared that have become family favorites in my home. 
um, upside down chicken with preserved lemon. You could make that any night for me. You could call it a holiday feast. You could reheat it on Wednesday and everyone is happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's, I think food should make people happy first and foremost. And so that's what I'm here to do. And secondly, is to never stress anybody out to make it. And this is just so full of fabulous flavor, this dish. I love reading through when you talk about the makings of your recipes, because this was actually um, a, a method that you applied to, and a chef's trick, for cooking duck breasts, right? But you've translated yeah. it to chicken thighs, and any chef will tell you, you and I included, that dark meat, dark poultry meat on the bone cannot be beat. It cannot. No, it cannot. And- and, and also with the skin. Yes. But the thing is that sometimes we get confused by it, right? I mean, we think, okay, well, the skin is golden, but I don't know if the inside is cooked, and the skin is not crispy, so we can be, it can bug us. So that, honestly, I love this trick so much because, like you said, it's, a, it's the way you cook duck breasts, and whoever really cooks duck breasts anymore, I mean, I do, but anyway. But <laughs> I do. <laughs> if you start the chicken thighs, so Skin on chicken thighs, you start them upside down. So the skin is down, and you actually cook them over low heat. Hmm. This is always a shock. What? People say low heat? Yes, low heat. And it will take about, it'll take definitely a half hour, sometimes up to 45 minutes. But you don't, I do not want you to touch that chicken. I don't want you to stir it. I don't want you to check it. I just want you to almost forget about it. Hmm. Because that's the way that that skin is going to get crispy. Yes. Like unforgettably crispy. And the chicken's going to cook through. It's not going to get dry. Absolutely not. And it's mm. going to be so flavorful. While that's happening, take the peel off of the lemon, mix it up with a little bit of sugar and a little bit of salt. That's instant preserved lemon. Sprinkle that over the chicken. It, it, it's not even six ingredients. And it is truly magic. Your glazed yeah. ginger chicken meatballs, loved by all as well. Yes, especially children. And in fact, yes. I got an email, I think two weeks ago from a mom who said that she now has to keep, she, has, she always has to make a double batch and put a half <laughs> of them in the freezer. Because it's, a it's ground chicken, yeah. which is affordable, it's healthy, it's fantastic, it's flexible. Other ingredients, other uncomplicated ingredients, you know, some green onions, some garlic, a little sure. bit of fresh ginger, sure. easy peasy. Mm-hmm. The glaze is made from my son's favorite ingredient, ketchup. Ketchup. Bit of honey, bit of soy sauce. <laughs> and they are so fun and they are so different. And yet it's familiar flavors. This is always what I say about getting kids to expand their palate. It's like start with something that looks a little bit familiar, but add a one little twist, one little twist. So and I, it's exactly that. Yes. And of course, the freezer is like a dream. So throw, do make a double bath, throw the other half in the freezer. For this year and in years past, and I hope for many years to come, you will continue to grace this show with your passion and your love for cooking and for all the glorious insight that you've shared with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, my great pleasure. <laughs> my great pleasure. The Claire Tansy Way, I'm calling it. I think that's the title of your next book, The Claire Tansy okay. Way. I like <laughs> it. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> In Dinner Uncomplicated by Claire Tansy, she shares recipes that bring joy to everyone in the house. And that's all about getting dinner on the table. In the new digital ebook that really you must see, 
you will have everything you need to be a culinary hero at the holidays. And it has party secrets and a schedule and all that good stuff. And it is the newest uncomplicated release in the series of great Claire Tansy uncomplicated prose. It's called an uncomplicated holiday and you can learn more on the website, right, Claire? Yes. ClaireTansy.com. T-A-N-S-E-Y. All the information is there. Yes. And you want to follow, of course, for daily inspiration at Tansy Claire. And you will come back and continue uh, sharing your passion with us, right, in 2023? You can't stop me. I just, I will be there. I just roped you into it, girlfriend. <laughs> You're so stuck with me. You are. Absolutely. Uh, I wish you the most wonderful holiday season with your family. Uh, and we, you as well. we thank you for inspiring us to jump into the kitchen for your outrageously delicious dishes, for bringing together simple ingredients and clear instructions and beautiful photos. You made it uncomplicated. And I feel a lightness already. I do. Amazing. 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 Happy holidays, my dear friend. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Oh, I'm so glad that you joined me at the table this weekend, and I hope that I satiated your appetite. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the week. It is cookie-inspired, in fact, because if you need a last-minute holiday gift, a holiday cookie to take to school, (laughs) or you have a peanut butter craving, well, then this incredibly simple three-ingredient peanut butter cookie should be your go-to. It is mine. It is a delicious treat I make very often because my cookie craving is satisfied in minutes. It's three ingredients. A cup of granulated sugar, three quarters of a cup of peanut butter, could be creamy or chunky, and a large egg. I know you've made three ingredient peanut butter cookies before. I'm just reminding you that you don't need a mixer. You just need a mixing bowl. And all you do is combine the ingredients. And then since the cookies don't spread, I like to scoop out big portions, roll them into a ball, and then flatten them out using a fork or a cookie press. They bake for about 10 minutes at 350 degrees and cool for a couple of minutes before you proceed to eat them standing up by the oven off of the cookie tray. If I really want to gild the lily, well, I dress them up by dipping them in dark chocolate and then letting that chocolate set. Oh, they are so good. My three ingredient peanut butter cookies are posted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram right now at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here next weekend when the delicious conversation continues. Cheers to the holidays. I hope that you're eating well and sipping and savoring. And I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. And I do hope that you continue to eat well. Well.